1: Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and I'm joined by my co-host and radio legend, Donald A.
2: (laughs) Dix. You 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 guys love to abuse me, don't you?
1: Well, you know... I know you weren't responsible for Brandon Strzok putting up that uh, that post uh, describing you as a radio legend, but of course,
2: since we're all jealous and envious of you, we have to uh, rib you about it. Well, there's nothing to be jealous or envious about. This is all about activism, and uh, for some reason or other, mm-hmm. the Lord above has seen fit to put me behind this microphone for this moment in time, and I just uh, continue to be humbled by the fact that I get to be here every week with you and every night on the Jen and Don Show. Speaking of being with you, we were together. I deny it. Uh, I- <laughs> you can't prove it. <laughs> we were together on Tuesday evening. Yes. And we had the opportunity. What was it now? City number 43? I think it's 49. 49? 49. City number 49. 14 counties. Voted unanimously to oppose SB 54 with a resolution. You know,
1: there's just something about protecting illegal immigrant criminals that just doesn't sit well with most rational Americans or Californians.
2: Well, yeah, it's true. Um, I don't know how many are in that or I don't know. What is the list of cities that decided not to or voted it down? Do we know how many are on that list? I don't – but once they've taken it up, the vast majority have
1: approved a resolution or right. amicus brief or something of San Dimas. I went to that one. Yes, yeah, so I was that there lost, with you. And that lost, three, that lost three to two. Yep. So there are probably some, but the vast majority of cities that have taken it up have, uh, have, have approved a resolution. There are some cities that they know what the result is going to be, and they haven't taken it up. We've been trying to get it going in, in Redlands, and we've been going to public comment and encouraging the council to take it up, and thus far, the council has not done so, and we'll see whether they do. No, I suspect they probably, they'll just sit, try to sit it out and not take it up. Right,
2: and nor, <clears throat> I guess, from a standpoint of activism, uh, it's good to go there and make an issue of it because you're getting your, your message into the home viewers of however many people tune into the Redland City Council meetings, but theoretically, I've always been taught you never have a political body take up an issue unless you know you have the votes to pass it.
1: Yes, in this case, there are four liberals out of five on the city council. So it'll never pass? I don't think it'll pass, but... They should, and one of the things I've said to them is this is an important issue to a lot of people and you should take it up and take a position and let the voters know. There's a, there are council elections coming up this, uh, this, uh, this, this November. There are three districts that are up for election as well as there's a remainder of one at large term where the, where the member died. And there was an, there's an appointee in that seat. So that her, she has to run citywide. So there's actually four seats that are up for election this November. Right. And they owe it to the people to take a stand on this important issue that so many other cities have taken a stand on. Do you want, do you want to protect criminal, illegal
2: aliens? Well, so many, and this this argument came up from one of the city council people at Marietta that um, this is a waste of time for the city to take up, that it doesn't uh, accomplish anything. We already wrote a letter. We've already done this. We've already expressed our opinion. But here's where I disagree with that. City council is the closest thing to the citizens in order for the citizens to be able to express their uh, positions on issues that, are literally affecting the entire, every community in this state with this sanctuary state law that was passed. Um, and, And these city council meetings, while there is important business for the city to take up, equally important, I think, is the venue that's afforded to citizens to be able to exercise their speech in a way that gets the attention of the elected officials. They'll hear it. Um, it gets the attention of the people at home, and it is a platform uh, that is a, a part and parcel to the way that we're organized politically. And those city council people that think that it's a, a waste of time or not germane to city business, uh, on several levels, I disagree.
1: Well, the, the, the crime affects the city. It's an under it's it's upholding their oaths to. Defend the Constitution because these laws, such as SB 54 and a whole myriad of California laws, seek to aid and abet illegal immigration and undermine federal immigration law are unconstitutional. It's upholding the rule of law. There are so many things why the city should take it up, as well as that myriad in and of itself taking a resolution has very, very little effect. But collectively, 49 cities and 14 counties Adopting resolutions or taking action against SB 54 sends a message well, to the Sacramento Democrats.
2: And that's another very good point about why this is important.
1: That they've overreached. Yep. That that maybe people don't don't care as much about if you just do something to protect non-criminal illegal aliens, although that's a very important issue, but protecting criminal illegal aliens and not caring one iota about the effect on Californians so long as they get to advance their own political agenda in Sacramento— that's that is that's too far for most Californians, so I've, I would be glad to take it up as a city council
2: member and express my position on it. Sure. Except if you have another – there was another issue that – I don't know that we have time to get into it, but uh, the idea of the government taking over the purchasing of electricity came up before the Marietta City Council um, – in the form of something called a CCA, which is a
1: community, it stands for community choice aggregation. So here's the here's the scheme,
2: and folks, you got to pay attention to this because honestly, there are there are reasons for government, and there are things that the government should run, not walk away from. We, you know, purposes. Obviously, government is there to ensure our security. Federal government, national security. Local government, community safety and security. Right. One of them is probably not the negotiation and purchase of contracts to provide electricity. Go, Greg.
1: Yeah. So this is going to be a joint. What we call a joint powers authority, where multiple multiple cities get together and then they hire people to go out and buy electricity contracts. What could possibly go wrong? Because the the Joint Powers Authority is not going to generate electricity. It's not going to transmit electricity. It's not going to do billing or any service. All those things are still going to be done by Edison. So the gamble is that they're going to go out and they're going to do a better job of buying and selling a commodity, electricity. And you can make money in the commodities market. You can lose money in the commodity market. And that the government's going to do a better job at that than the professionals who've been doing this for years or decades at Southern California Edison, and somehow that's going to save even the, the, the salesmen that were promoting this idea at the meeting. Best case, would be, you would save 4%. And they say, well, it's more, it's more like 2% right, right on, on your bill versus the downside risk of if, if this thing loses money as it very well may that the city's on the hook. For those losses. And one of the council members, Mr. Gibbs pointed this out. Remember back in the 1990s, late 1990s, the idea was we're going to deregulate the power market in California. The government's going to get into the power business. And we're, and I remember people coming to, to community meetings. We guarantee this is going to, this is going to reduce your electricity rates. And it turned out to be an unmitigated disaster as the government got, you know what, handed to it in the commodities market. Right, and this lo- this this was billions and billions of dollars that were lost in this scheme, and now they're repeating this. They're, now they're going back to repeat the same thing. They're, what they're really doing is creating another layer of government bureaucracy that somehow is, gonna, is supposed to save the people
2: money. They can't even run the DMV, and all of a sudden they're going to be energy traders. Yeah, this just doesn't doesn't wash. It doesn't pass several smell tests. But these are the things that go on in your city councils, right? So, so and this is, it- is actually something that they are actively promoting throughout the Inland Empire. So this is something to be aware of. That uh, in the name of trying to save four percent, ultimately, I believe part of the reason for this scheme is to lock in these electrical contracts using increasing percentages of "quote unquote" green energy. That currently exists. Is more expensive. Well, and it currently exists largely because of government subsidies that may or may not continue. And if those subsidies for the expensive green energy, we're talking about solar, wind, um, and I guess you could include river. But they're looking at taking dams away from the Klamis power ge- that that generate power, I think. Right. So, so hydroelectric. And they're looking at, you know, in the name of environmentalism, which is killing us with these forest fires. um in the name of environmentalism, they're going to tear down hydroelectric dams. Right. So
1: even though that's carbon-free energy and uh, it's, it's as clean as you can get, they oppose that because they really oppose our modern lifestyle. And that's, that's a larger scheme of what this agenda is all about. The shorter scheme is expand government. Right. And uh, don't believe the salesman. <laughs> So, folks, promising to save you money,
2: pay attention to what's going on at the local level, get involved in your city. There's so many different ways to do it. This is truly the time that we need to, and then this is a midterm year, and we've got to be encouraging everybody to get out and vote because we have local races. There are city council could. races
1: and school board races all across the state, and these can be as important, although they get much less attention than the governor, the Senate, and the House of Representatives, as
2: important as, as they are. And there were some sweeping elections this week. We'll talk about those as we uh, unpack this week's edition of the Unite IE radio show. We've got to take a break to hear from our sponsors that keep us on the air. We'll be back in a moment. After this word from Ed
1: Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this.
3: Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now. And from what Ed tells me, there are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on. And I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know, Ed, he's a good guy who'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now is the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855-640-2020.
0: AM 590, The Answer.
4: This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer.
2: Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio show. As we'd love to remind everybody, the radio show for the most important political office in the entire country that of our listeners, private citizens, and we are hoping that you find some motivation to get more involved with your local levels of government uh, from this radio show, as well as making sure that your friends and neighbors get out to vote, because we've got, as you were just mentioning, important city, local races, but also some congressional and and state-level races that we literally could replace incumbents with. Um, But before we do that, let's pull the lens back and look at what unfolded this week in the national races. See if we can detect any incl- any uh, idea as to whether or not this is going to, ha- you know, is there a blue wave or is it a blue puddle seeping out of a house? <laughs> I, well, and I hate to make light of it because this is probably one of the most important midterms going. There's a lot at stake.
1: Mo- it's the most important midterm election since 1862. Okay. when In the midst of the Civil War and whether the, whether the Civil War could continue. And uh, fortunately, the Republicans won that uh, th- that midterm. And again, and this is part of what we, we talked last week about Dinesh D'Souza's movie, Death of a Nation as he explains how the country is on the line again and what and the, the people on the other side of that the democrat party which he dismantles and shows how they are really a criminal gang not only dedicated to lining their pockets but also to tearing down the country and all the principles that made it
2: great free and prosperous in the first instance That's right and what's at stake in this particular election is the continuation of Donald Trump's agenda into the second half of his presidency. Right. And the,
1: the key is whether who's going to control Congress in 2019. And the Democrats, they traditionally, the party that has the White House, loses seats in the House and Senate in the first midterm election. And the number varies. Obama lost 63 Democrats in 2010. Uh, George W. Bush was the one recent exception in 2002, in the aftermath of of 9/11. He gained six seats, right. in that election. Right. So this is this is absolutely critical, and we we had a special election in Ohio this past week, and there, there was a, this was a district that Donald Trump won by 11 percent in 2016. I think it was a little bit more, wasn't it? That was, that's what I recall reading, that he won by, now there was a wider margin for me before the previous Republican, but he carried the district, according to what I read. Okay. By All 11% right. in 2016. And at this point, it looks like, at says as of election night, the Republican won a narrow victory in that district, which is good, but potentially ominous even if, there's going to see that level of a, of a shift of 10 points over, over 2016 is the Republicans will lose control of the House if that's, if that's what happened. And I say as of election night, because we had news on Thursday that guess what? In the Democrat Franklin County, they found more ballots. What are the odds? As as Rush Limbaugh pointed out, can anyone think of any election in which a Republican has
2: come from behind because they found more ballots? I am not sure. My guess would be no. So in the previous, in the, this district where we're kind of trying to divine whether or not this is a bellwether for the upcoming midterms, the last congressman to win this election won it a Republican by twenty-seven points in two thousand sixteen. That's a pretty big margin of victory, and as you care, as you mentioned, this was carried by this district was carried by Donald Trump. Um, now it's a one point victory, and get this: nearly seven and a half million dollars was spent by both parties going after a race that will. Put that person in that seat for two months, right? The same because they're (laughs) they're going to have to do this all over again in November. Yes.
1: Now, what we've we've seen also this year is that the Democrats have done much better than 2016 in these special elections, but in the in statewide regular primary elections, not so much. And we haven't seen this. We've been told that there is a seething wave of Democrats who want to get out there and vote against. Donald Trump by proxy in the form of whatever Republican is in front of them. But but that hasn't materialized nearly to that extent. For example, in California's primary, there's the, a the number of races the, in the House where the Democrats are trying to flip to, from Republican to Democrat. And in all of those races that in these districts that Hillary Clinton carried in 2016— We're about things like Daryl right. um, only one. Ed Royce. If you add up all the Republicans that were running and all the Democrats that were running— Only one of those districts did the Democrats get a narrow majority of the votes in the June primary. Now, that's not a guarantee what's going to happen in the general election, but it casts some doubt, at least, on whether there is this huge blue wave building out there when there is a broad statewide election. Uh, Ted Cruz, who has an uncomfortably narrow race in the Texas primary, bested all of the democrats collectively that were running to for the democrat nomination there and there's other similar results so we should assume that there is a blue wave building and that we're behind and that we need to act accordingly because as you as you said before you can't, if, get, can't if, get comfortable if if, if if the democrats take control even of even one house that means absolutely zero favorable legislation will pass the Congress and if it's the house that will be the end of all of the inquiries and investigations into corruption at the FBI and the Department
2: of Injustice they will, the Democrats will cover that up they're just they're right perfect. because remember if they take over the house that means they get to appoint every chairman right of every committee and they run those committee meaning just like the Republicans have been running it and the over the objections and the protestations of you know the minority chairs on these committees Maxine Waters will be the Chairman of the Financial Services Committee. won't that be great? yeah, that'll be great. impeach forty five yeah, that lady is uh right and, gen-
1: and it's likely that it's likely that the Democrats will impeach President Trump now whether the Senate will convict is that's that that's, that's a much higher hurdle to overcome, right, but they'll still I think they'll still try they'll still impeach him
2: yep, so a lot hanging in the balance. we ought to take another break for so the, to- so,
1: the, so this really is this is the, this is the need. We talked about the country being on the line. So this is not a time in which people can just sit back, oh, I'll let Donald Trump handle it. I'll let the Republican Party handle it. This is the time when everyone on our side, everyone who believes in this country, everyone who loves this country, everyone who believes in the principles who made her great, free, and prosperous needs to step up and you need to do more. Whatever you did in 2016, the Democrats are doing more. They're ramping. They're, they're they're more. They're angry. They're enraged. They're insane with their rage. They're going to ramp up their vote fraud. They're 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 they they lost when they think they should have won. So we need to do more than we did in 2016 in order to save the country.
2: Yeah, they've got a tremendous amount of energy. We'll take a break for our sponsor for this half hour, and we'll be back with more on the United IE Radio Show. Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation,
1: the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this.
5: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your direct mortgage lender. If you're considering a new home purchase or a refinance of a current home, and you know everything about every financial option, your income is plain vanilla, straight salary, and you've got perfect credit, then perhaps dealing with one of those online lenders you see on TV makes sense. However, if you don't consider yourself a financial expert and you want someone you can trust to listen to what you're looking for and suggest the best option for you, then call us at Wholesale Capital at 855-640-2020. Whether you're a millennial buying your first house, a baby boomer wondering how to get out of debt before retirement, or a retiree who needs a plan to help you live more comfortably, we can find products and strategies to fit your scenario. In the age of rising interest rates, increasing home values, and mortgage products that are changing daily, you might want to talk to the experts that can help you navigate through some options to figure out the best plan for you. Call Wholesale Capital at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, day or night, 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, weekends right here on AM590, The Answer.
0: AM590, The Answer.
1: Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Uh, Benjamin Franklin said, and I'm just going to paraphrase here, if you want to defeat the people's freedom, you must first defeat the freedom of speech. And what we see now going on is not just... The government suppressing speech. Well, that's happening particularly over in Europe. But here, the government's cronies in big dem tech companies are doing this for them. And we saw this past week where the coordinated attack across virtually all the social media companies, they banned a, a, a website and program called InfoWars. Now, I don't usually watch this. I don't read it. I don't. It's not one of my news sources, but that doesn't matter. This What this is, is an attempt to control the flow of information. Rulers have always wanted to control the flow of information to their people. And the internet seemed to open that up. And now the rulers are trying to find ways to clamp down on that and reassert their control over the flow of information. And you have these platforms which have huge audiences, huge numbers of members. They've almost become like the phone company, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. And the, the rulers are now using these means, supposedly private companies. So we can't, the first amendment doesn't apply to them. Well, maybe it does. That's but that's longer than we have time to talk about today. So this, if it's infowars today, who is next?
2: Well, it's all. I mean, we're hearing anecdotally from a lot of people who will post things on their Facebook site, and they'll end up getting one day, thirty day bans from Facebook because Facebook objects, according to their, you know, rules, that somebody posted something that was. You know shocking or whatever Their adjectives are this happened to a Uh congressional candidate Uh out of fresno Uh lady that is uh Running Lisa as a republican Heng. and She's from laos and in her cambodia. campaign I mean sorry cambodia Isn't laos in cambodia No that's i stumped no. It. i stumped you <laughs> No I'm, I stumped so, I'm, you. St-
1: I'm I'm sort of ama- amazed that you didn't Understand that they're separate countries Okay <laughs>
2: <laughs> um Cambodia and she uh her parents were young individuals during the uh the um Right, we don't have time to do the full ad, but it's a wonderful ad. You should you should, you should look for it. Khmer now, her, her
1: rouge. Her parents, her parents started out there, and were almost her father was almost executed by the Khmer rouge. They got married, and
2: eventually they've legally. Em- they had to get to married. It was a shot, literally right. shotgun marriage, right. because the Khmer rouge did not like single people. Well, she showed pictures of the death and devastation in her ad, and that was and, and, too and that shocking. One, and, and that was just the results of Democrat
1: policy in Fresno. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> about the same thing. And her ad was denied uh, uh, promotion. She wanted to promote it. Yeah. You know, spend money to have Facebook promote it. Her ad was denied. This needs, we don't run out of time for this half, but um, this needs
1: much more attention, and conservatives need to fight back. We'll talk more about that in future broadcasts. Stay tuned for the second half. We have Rebecca Friedrichs, who was the lead plaintiff in a case before the Supreme Court, talking about what's happening in the government run schools. Back
2: after this. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. And we have someone on the line with us right now, Greg, who has been with us before when she was a plaintiff in a very important case that went before the Supreme Court. I think we've had her back since then when its companion case, Janice, uh, was heard before the Supreme Court. And I'm speaking about... Rebecca Friedrichs, who is a school teacher in Orange County, that was a plaintiff in a very important case regarding freedom of speech and whether or not unions can collect money from teachers whose political views differ. Rebecca, welcome to the Unite IE Radio Show.
4: It's great to be here again. Thanks for having me.
2: We've got a full Palette of things to talk to you about um, because now that this case is, now that Janice has been decided, could you, would you mind, we want to talk to you about something that's going on in schools right now that parents need to be aware of, but could you give us a little bit of an update or your perspective since Janice passed the Supreme Court? Um, a little bit about what is the, the reaction, uh, where you think things are going, how, the impact that this is going to have on unions' ability to you know, raise money from teachers uh, for their political activism. Is this, is this going to hurt them?
4: Yeah, sure. I'm really glad you asked me this question because most people think that a whole bunch of teachers are going to all of a sudden now opt out of the union because now they can opt out and pay zero money to the unions, and I hope teachers will do that. I, I hope it a lot. But the problem is people don't understand that teachers are severely bullied um, by the unions. Um, we, we work in a culture of fear thanks to the unions. And so there's there's multiple problems. Number one, most teachers really, really appreciate their local association. That's their friends, their teachers that they teach with, their colleagues. The local does all the work and really support. A lot of them are very supportive. The problem is the so local associations are legally connected to the state and national unions. Most teachers resent the state and national unions because they take most of our money and spend it on one-sided politics. A lot of that politics is actually bringing harm to our students and our schools. Mm-hmm. So I want to educate your listeners. If a teacher pays $1,000 a year in union dues, CTA, California Teachers Association, takes $700 of that money every year. National education takes 192. Okay. So that teacher paying $1,000, only 108 stays at the local level. But the local does all the work. The local does all the representing. The, the local should be getting the large chunk of money, but it's not. The money's going up to state and national. So my fear is that teachers won't opt out because they want to keep their local association, and when you opt out, you lose all three. So now you're a Benedict Arnold. You're not part of the club at the local right. level. So my hope is that people will learn that teachers can actually be certified from those state nationals, and they can keep their own local association. I'm hoping people will start educating teachers on their rights to do that.
2: Well, hopefully we're doing that now. And if you know any teachers, if you're listening to the show and you know any teachers that are out there, make sure they understand this. Is there is there a place that people can go? Teachers, educators can go in order to understand what their rights under this ruling are and what they should do.
4: Yeah, they can come to our website. It's called for and it's F-O-R, KidsAndCountry.org. dot org. It's just a little um, organization I've started to help educate um, teachers, parents, faith leaders, students, community members who wanna who are sitting tired of these unions dividing all of us and deceiving everyone. And so it's just a little one-stop shop. They can come. They can learn about opting out. They can learn about how to keep your local association only. They can learn about getting liability insurance. Um, they can learn about all kinds of stuff. So for org, come visit us.
2: Terrific. Well, that's the one reason that we wanted to have you here. But there's another very important reason that we've invited you here to get parents updated, given that what back-to-school is only weeks away. Greg, what was, uh, what's up? Well, another thing that is going on, and I always refer
1: to them as the government-run schools because there is as little public in so-called public education as possible, and they design the system that way, is very explicit. Supposedly sexual education, sex ed, is being pushed in the government-run schools in California that has many parents and even teachers alarmed at the kind of stuff that is being taught there. Tell us about that.
4: Yeah, I'd love to tell you about that. So in 2015, our state legislature passed a law called the California Healthy Youth Act, and unfortunately, there's not much healthy about it. It became law January 1st, 2016. So now, uh, this sex ed, I call it S-E-X-X-X-ed, because it really is offensive and even abusive to our children and to our teachers who are told to teach it. Um, here's how it works. Uh, we are now normalizing both anal and oral sex for children um, as young as 11 years old. Our, um, our law requires that we teach this new sex ed in seventh grade and ninth grade It can show up at any grade. Those are the two grades where it is required. And um, then there's also some, uh, all of this gender spectrum where there are no, we're teaching our children there are no longer two genders, male and female, but there's this spectrum of all these genders. And uh, that gender stuff can show up in any grade level, including kindergarten. The alarming thing is all of the gender stuff, parents have no rights. They cannot opt out. It can show up at any time any grade level, and the parents who push back get bullied, and it's, it's really alarming. Mm. Um, the the, uh, um, the what they call comprehensive sexuality education that's required in seventh and ninth grade, uh, the law states that school districts cannot educate parents ahead of time and, and be transparent. Hey, parents, what do you think? Do you want to opt into this? Would you like your child to have this? Because I don't know one parent who would want their child to have this. Uh, this. These are curriculums that they've come up with. Um, Instead, parents can only opt out. And the problem is the letter that comes home is innocuous. It doesn't seem like anything's wrong. Parents think, oh, this is the old sex ed I got when I was a kid. So they don't sign it. They don't opt out. And so we have thousands and thousands of kids being exposed to very explosive curriculum that is incredibly inappropriate. I have viewed all five curriculums that have been Uh, accepted by the state of California. None of them are written by long-standing, respected, reputable publishers. They're written by Planned Parenthood and other groups that are trying to push a sexual agenda onto our children through Mm -hmm. our schools.
2: We're talking to Rebecca Friedrich. She was originally a plaintiff in a very important Supreme Court case that went all the way up but got derailed due to the untimely and unfortunate death of uh, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. She is now raising the alarm about the uh, sex education our kids in public schools are going to be exposed to. You can learn more about this on the website that she has. It is very informative. Uh, Your website I'm speaking about, uh, Rebecca, dot kidsandcountryorg That's F-O-R, kidsandcountry.org. More about this topic on her website. And we'll continue the conversation with Rebecca after a message from our sponsor for this half hour. All Star
1: Collision—the place to take your car when you have an accident, because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back up to this.
6: When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All Star. For 20 years, Car Star All Star Collision and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is Car Star All Star Collision.
3: This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590,
1: The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We're pleased to be joined today by somebody who exemplifies... That statement and that quote and that philosophy. Rebecca Friedrichs, who was a long-time teacher in the uh, government-run schools, tried to join the union in reforma. Tried to fight the union. Was a plaintiff in a case up to the Supreme Court to free all government employees from having to join and pay money to government employee unions. And now she's continuing the fight through her website for, kin- for kidsandcountry.org dot org. We were talking in the last segment about the very explicit sexual education or rather indoctrination that's going on in the government-run schools and she's trying to alert parents to this and you have some more thoughts on this on where this is coming from.
4: Yeah, I do. And I'd also like to help your listeners understand that this is not just in California. Everybody thinks, oh, California, everything bad happens there. This has been in other states for a long time. This has been pushed through the UN. This is in other countries uh, across the world and it really is an problem. Um, In our schools in particular, unfortunately, and I know that teachers don't want to hear this, but they need to hear it, the people pushing this offensive sex ed into our schools, onto our country, are the state and national teachers unions. They are working arm-in-arm with Planned Parenthood and ACLU and other organizations, other very powerful organizations. Some are government- uh, organizations, some are private organizations, there's one called Psychist, uh, Gelson, which is Gay, Lesbian, edu- uh, Straight Education Network, all these folks are working together to bring these curriculums into our schools that are not appropriate for our children and that most parents and teachers abhor. Um, so the teachers I know who have been exposed to this are horrified and don't want to teach it. And the problem is, they go running to their union for help. Well, they need to understand you're the hen running to the fox.
3: Mm, your wow. local
4: union, in your local union, of course, will support you because they're like you. They're horrified. But you need to understand it's the state and national teachers unions that are pushing this. If you don't believe me, go to their website, mm. nea.org. CTA, I don't know if it's .com. but California Teachers Association or any of these unions across the country. And all you have to do is go in and look at their new business items, look at their resolutions, look at any of their documentation. It's all over the place. They're the ones behind this. So the way we stop it, the way we protect our children is to help teachers to understand that they can break free from state and national unions so they will stop paying them these unions have billions of dollars that they collect nationwide. So we need to stop teachers from funding them. Good and loving teachers need to know. And we need to stand with them because those teachers are being bullied heavily. They can't fight this alone. So we, the unions have divided us all. We need to come back together and stand with loving teachers and educate them and help them to get out of these unions.
1: I'm one who believes that when the left pushes these things like this, They as part of their larger purpose. What is the larger purpose, in your view, of trying to sexualize children?
4: Yeah, in my view, from all the different things I have seen and read and all the people I have interviewed, including people who work at the UN level, they are really trying to silence parental rights. And um, you keep saying government-run schools, um, they they want the government wants to run the family. Um, they're starting these community schools where they want to do everything for the family. They want the family to come eat dinner there. They want to be open on the weekend. Um, I think they're trying to replace the church and the family. And I find it quite frightening. And um, uh, if you talk to any parents who have gone to local school boards lately trying to fight for this stuff or against this stuff, parents are being attacked. Parents are being silenced. That's wrong. And we have to stand up together because we have the power when we stand together. Unfortunately, we go to these school board meetings and the teachers unions will send in, they'll bust people in. They'll bust in 100 people to speak for this offensive sex ed. And we'll have two people on our side. So then the school board gets bullied to do what the union wants. We need hundreds of parents to go to every single school board meeting from now on in every single community and to be there monitoring this stuff and speaking out against it.
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is, this is once again a, a leading-edge issue that it be, I guess based on what the information that parents get, it's very easy to shrug off because they're not being properly informed. But once they're mm-hmm. properly informed, then it, it this 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 is the uh, just another step down the slippery slope towards exactly what you've said, which is that ultimately these uh, bureaucracies want to take over, and it's people need to understand that it is the natural tendency of government to want to grow and accumulate power. Yeah, there's right. people in there that have agendas, that Planned Parenthood that might want to. You know, get this kind of sex education out. But within every bureaucracy and every level of government, there's a tendency to grow and accumulate power and preside over more. Greg and I were talking in the last half hour, about another very uh, onerous uh, way that a bureaucracy wants to take over the electrical business here in California this is just mm-hmm. another step. And at some point, parents have to say, whether it's the AB 2943, where, you know, that deals with uh, a, a separate issue, but one that churches should be concerned about, which is the, uh, you know, counseling for um, reparative, what's called reparative therapy, or mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. It's a slippery slope, and ultimately it does lead to exactly what you said, which is the the government, whether it's the U.N., or what that wants to replace church, replace family, because uh, that's what they do, and we've got to right. stop it. We,
4: that's right, and we have. There are poor countries out there who come to the UN. All they want is a little bit of money for clean water, or so they can educate their children. And the UN is telling them, "Oh, sure, we'll give you that money as long as you take this sex bed and you put up abortion clinics." They're doing this around the country, uh, around the world. Mm. And it's bringing great damage. And a lot of these countries are coming together now and saying, "We don't want this sex ed. It's bringing harm to our children. It's inappropriate. It's hard." And they and they teach it in a way where they say it's medically accurate and age-appropriate, but it's not. They're teaching the children things that are actually dangerous. I mentioned the anal sex before. They're telling kids, use a condom and you're going to be perfectly fine. Well, there are no condoms approved for that kind of sex because the molecules of uh, diseases like HIV are smaller and they get through the latex. And so they're teaching kids things that can actually cause death and, and extreme injury. It's just it's it's out it's totally out of line and parents
1: need to stand up. Yeah, we're out of time for this segment. In our next segment, I want to turn a little broader picture, and this is like where you and I differ. My view of it is that the government-run schools are non-reformable, and that we need to find. Parents need to find alternatives, and I think you believe that maybe they still are reformable, but let's have, we'll have that discussion after this message from All Star Collision. Okay, the, great. Pla- the place to take your car when you have an accident, because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back up for
6: this. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161.
0: AM590, the answer.
2: Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program, a most important segment and topic for our listeners, because it speaks to the heart of the eternal battle of freedom and liberty, and we're seeing it get 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 uh, sliced away every day with overreaches by. Every level of government. We're talking to Rebecca Friedrichs. Uh, She has a book out called Standing Up to Goliath, Battling State and National Teachers Unions for the Heart and Soul of Our Kids and Country. It's Simon & Schuster. She's also going to be speaking here, well, sort of locally, uh, in Fountain Valley. The Eagle Forum is hosting Rebecca Friedrichs Sunday, August 12th. 2018, 7 p.m. in Fountain Valley. We'll put this uh, flyer up on the UniteIE.com Facebook page so you can get more information about where to go, if you want to meet her, if you want to. Is your book going to be available to them at this uh, meeting?
4: No, the book book is only available for pre-sale right now, and I Ah. hope people will will get it pre-sale because that helps me to get out there in the media and, and tell the story. But it launches officially November 20th.
2: Oh, wow. Well, we'll have to make sure once it's out that we have you out here to the Inland Empire for a book signing. That would be uh, awesome. Raise awareness that way as well. So you got the book. You got the meeting coming up on Sunday, uh, August the 12th. And we're talking to you right now about this sex education path that has been foisted on America by the state and National Teachers Association in cooperation with everybody from Planned Parenthood to the U.N. And now the question of what do you do? What's the solution? And Greg said you guys have a little bit of a different uh, opinion about this. I'll let Greg pick it up and talk to you about what do you do? What do we do? How do we fix this? Let me make the brief case that the government-run
1: schools are non-reformable the system has now been designed to be as impervious as possible to popular control. You go to the school board and say I object to the sex ed stuff, they're going to tell you, well, you know, it's you know, we're, it's mandated by state law or if you object to something else, it the federal, we have it, there's federal regulations. So there's it, the system is so diffuse, it's so uh, the, the the boundaries between the local government, the state government and the federal government have been merged. So You don't know where can you go that you you could change the system if you wanted to. You could pass the ideal education law in the state of California, but while well, you have these school boards, you have the teacher unions that are, are there to thwart it, and you have the federal government there to interfere with it. So on a political level, it's non-reformable. It is filled with people who, I mean, there, may, there are lots of good teachers, and I'm, I'm certainly going to acknowledge that. But the people that are running the system, for example, that are pushing this sex ed, triple X, said, ed, triple X sex ed stuff we've just been talking about, they're permeated throughout the entire system. The teacher union colleges are run by people like Bill Ayers, the former anti-American terrorist and Obama friend and mentor, who figured out that you could do far more damage to America training teachers than he could ever do planting bombs. The academics are way down. And I could go on and on. There's, there's an article I saw the other day. It was written in the, that by a history teacher in high school in Los Angeles who said it was blaming America for all the problems in Central America. So we should let in everyone from there who wants to come in. And you can imagine what's going on in, in his classroom. We had the teacher that's called people in the military dumb you-know-whats. And those are, there's example after example after example. So it's my mm-hmm. view mm-hmm. that, just like the media, we didn't try to take over CBS News. We formed our own media. And the same thing mm-hmm. ha- needs to happen here. So, Rebecca, tell us why you think the government-run schools can be saved and reformed.
4: Yeah, yeah wow, well, hey, I agree with every argument you just made. So I think we, you know, we, we see eye-to-eye more than you think. However... The one thing that I see that's going on in our government-run schools is that they are run by the teachers' unions, the state and national teachers' unions. My opinion is if we can get teachers out of stop paying those state and national unions who take 80% of the teachers' dues and, and spend it all on all of this politics, that's how we fix our schools. So um, I also believe in the ESA, the Education Savings accounts. I think we should be giving everybody choice. But let's just take our public schools for this, at this point. The reason our school boards have so many corrupt people on them who push this sex ed, who don't listen to parents, who abuse parents, who don't listen to teachers, is because the teachers' union is focused on getting their activists on local school boards. The reason our legislature is passing these bad laws on party lines it's always the democrats who vote for all of these things like this sex ed it was all democrats who voted to put this sex ed into california schools only one republican voted for it all the other republicans voted against this sex ed so vote your values is my message but the why do these people vote this way because the union give them a bunch of money and the teachers' union support them. So in my opinion, it's the teachers' unions We need to get out, and then parents will have a voice again, and teachers can have a voice again, and we can all stand together and fight for these schools.
2: And in the meantime, until parents get pull their kids out and start homeschooling, putting financial pressure at the administrative level, go to your school board meetings, show up to some of the uh, meetings that we're having, Rebecca's speaking. Uh, get her book when it comes out. Go to her website, 4 kids, kids, kids and, and Goliath taking on the Teacher <laughs> Juniors, her book.
1: Read that when it comes out. Thank you, Rebecca, for being on our show and everything you're doing to help save the country
2: because we all have to do everything possible to save America. That's right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's going to do it for us on the Unite IE radio show. Tune in every Saturday at 4 p.m.